John Ziegler. Welcome to the program, sir. How are you? Glenn, always good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. Now, you are a guy who um, has debunked a lot of stuff, and you're usually a contrarian. Um, and I think that's why, uh, that, well, I know that's why I like you so much, because you are, you never take the popular side. <laughs> you take the hard road every single time, um, because you believe, you know, you do your homework and you believe something is right or wrong. John, uh, there is this Duke-BYU volleyball game story um, that just stinks to high heaven, uh, and yet everybody believes it, and BYU just announced that they are eliminating this fan section uh, because of this, and I think it's a lie. Tell the story and then what you found. Well, it is a lie. And the reason why we know it's a lie is because of how this story developed, how it birthed, how it evolved, and the unique factors that allowed the news media to get easily duped, including the nature, as you already alluded to, of the religion and perception related to BYU, of course, being Mormonism. Uh, Here's the story, as we were told it, that supposedly last uh, Friday night at a volleyball, a woman's volleyball game, a Duke volleyball player who happens to be black was subjected to continual, continual N-word chants against her by at least one person. And then racial intimidation that was apparently so obvious that a police officer had to be stationed at the Duke bench. Now, this, if true, is obviously horrendous. Also, if true, at a sold-out event, this was sold out at BYU, over 5,000 people. If in 2022, where everyone has a cell phone and where this game was being streamed live, and we're told that saying the N-word to a black person is the worst thing a human person, a human being can possibly do, except maybe not wear a mask at an inner-city school. That might be worse. <laughs> But but um, but the the this is the worst thing that can happen. This is effectively like Bigfoot sitting down in the BYU student section, and there being no video evidence of it. None. I mean, this is impossible. It is absolutely impossible that in this day and age there would be no witnesses, no video, no indication of this whatsoever. But that doesn't necessarily prove it didn't happen. How did the story evolve? Did Something happened during the game that made it a public issue. Was there a post-game press conference that, that made this a public issue? No. This became a public issue because of a tweet. Was it a tweet by the girl who was subjected to the N-word? No. Was it by somebody who was at the game? No. This was by the, quote, godmother, whatever that means, the godmother of the girl who was supposedly subjected to this, much later after the game, where she tweets the story I just told you. Okay, but yeah, but she was there, right? No, no, she was not there. And in fact, it now appears as if the person she spoke to, the, the, the player's dad, was also not there. So now we have a whisper down the lane situation, Glenn, and I think that's the key to what happened here. A lot of people on my side of this issue, are calling this like another Jesse Smollett hoax, and they're wondering why uh, she didn't say they were wearing red hats and this is MAGA country. I don't think this was a, a deliberate hoax. 
I think this was a situation where everybody fell into a story that fit their self-interest. And those are always the most dangerous. And that's all, that gets us eventually to BYU's reaction to this. But just to finish how this story gets birthed, because this is really important, is that this tweet comes out from the godmother we, we, who, who is running for political office. It's at the top of her Twitter page. In Texas. She, in she, Texas. Yeah, in, She's in running Texas. for, I think, a judgeship. Is she not? Yes. Yeah, yes. that'll be so, great. So, so first, so I'm looking at this and going, wait a minute here. She's in Texas. The game's in Utah. And the photograph that she tweeted was not from the game. It was just a photograph of her with her, quote, unquote, goddaughter, which you, if you were at the game, that's not what you would have tweeted out. You would have tweeted a picture from the game, along with this horrific story of racial abuse. So immediately I'm thinking, she wasn't there. She doesn't know what she's talking about. And then we later find out that she has a history of dozens and dozens of overtly racist tweets. That causes her to shut down her Twitter feed, which in a rational world would have stopped any, any media outlet from considering this to be credible. But already by the time that happened, here's what occurred. LeBron James retweeted the tweet. Now, LeBron James, as you and your listeners should know, is not a credible source on this for many reasons, including the fact that he perpetrated his own racial hoax that I believe actually was a hoax several years ago that never got fully debunked because the police just said, you know what, this is, this is one of those crimes better left unsolved, really, because uh, it didn't happen. And, and so he, because he makes it a cause celeb in the left-wing Twitter sphere, it goes viral. Once it goes viral, the news media, it's like kryptonite. They have no ability to, to not accept this story because it's a narrative they love, right? This is where the BYU angle comes, becomes so important because immediately, no one ever bothers to research these things. The blink reaction is, oh, BYU, white school, Mormon. Uh, Utah. Of course, this is what happened. This is the way the world works. And the media will believe anything about Mormonism. My God, we saw there in the 2012 election, they even will believe that Mormons will torture your family dog on the family vacation for no apparent reason. Hang on just a second. You know what? What is amazing to me is if you've ever been uh, to Provo, Utah, um, you are expecting me to believe that. No one in the stands heard it or spoke up against it or witnessed it and didn't speak. You have to believe that that entire section was in on it, that everyone was in because there are no witnesses. They have asked the people that were there. They've looked at the videotape. Nothing, nothing. And she said it happened on every time she served. Well, the cameras are on the audience. Not happening. Well, and exactly, and it's, let's be clear, who said that? The godmother said that, not the player specifically, which I think is important. I think a lot of this story comes down to language. If the player doesn't put out a statement until Sunday, until Sunday. And in her statement, she never uses the N-word. She says, racially heckled. What the hell is racially heckled? Now, to me... I, in my interpretation of this, Glenn, and this is where I think we got get to how society has changed, where we are now so incredibly close to racism being the criticism of a black person by a white person. 
That's what racism is now. And, and it doesn't have to have any racial angle to it whatsoever. This was a very intense atmosphere at this game. It was a sold-out game, and, and this player, Richardson, played poorly, and Duke lost. It is In my research on these cases, it's amazing how often when they happen in sports, the team that got, you know, had the racism against them always loses. And, it, and, it, and that plays a key role because if you read her statement, she's clearly looking for an excuse for why she played poorly and why her team lost. And so what I think happened here, this is my theory about what happened, is that, that the crowd was intense. She played like crap. She was upset about it. She tells her dad about how this heart, this, this incredibly intense crowd, she might even make it sound racist, these white Mormons were all over me during the whole game. Her dad then in a whisper down the lane situation tells the godmom, the godmom was an overt racist and running for office, tweets about it. LeBron James retweets it. The left-wing media goes crazy. USA Today calls her a hero in the headline. The New York Times reports about it. Everybody's going crazy. Oh my God, this, we love this narrative. We hate Mormons. Mormons will do anything. They're all racist. And, and by that time, she... By that time, she herself becomes invested in the story. Duke is not going to you know, back away from their black player. And BYU caves completely. BYU frightened of their own shadow. They, they self-flagellate. They capitulate. Because this is what you do in academia, especially when you're run by a lot of straight white males, which apparently BYU is. And then, heck, you even have the governor of Utah jump in on this immediately with no facts and tweet about how horrible the racism is. It is in the DNA of everyone in academia when these crises happen to immediately plead guilty. And when, once they plead guilty, everyone thinks, well, my gosh, the story must be true. Why would BYU plead guilty? Because they don't understand the dynamic, especially in academia, especially among straight, straight white men, where you must immediately self-flagellate and virtue signal to save your job. And, and, and then they throw this this mentally challenged handicapped person under the bus. I know. This is This is the worst. Volcano. Wait, 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 wait. Explain this because I think this is the worst part of it. So, again, this is partially my theory, but what appears to have happened is BYU and Duke, I think, is, is equally culpable in this. They're, everyone is looking for a scapegoat to make the girl feel better about herself. There needs to be a scalp. And it appears as if that the person that was chosen to be the scalp was someone who had nothing to do with any racial slurs, was not even in the student section when supposedly this happened, a, a mentally handicapped person who is well-known to come to these games, who, who we don't even know what the heck actually happened, was somehow near the bench after of the game, and the Duke side identifies this person supposedly as potentially the voice of somebody who had, had spewed some racial slur, and BYU bans this person apparently for life as I, as I, as I call them, a human sacrifice to in, you know, being thrown into the PC volcano. It's really bad. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's really both, bad. Both sides deserve enormous blame for this, but this is one of those stories, Glenn, that's never going to get fixed. It's never, because it's impossible to disprove, you know, to prove a negative. How do you prove 1,000% this? You're not supposed to. In America, the person who makes the charge is the one that has to prove it. You don't have to prove you're innocent. 
Somebody has to prove that you're guilty. They had no description of the person. They couldn't tell you what the person looked like, what what they were even saying. When they identified this kid, if I'm not mistaken, they were saying it because uh, they said that voice sounds like the voice we heard. Right. Is that right? Right. But see, I think this is where we come down to race and religion, because we now live in a world where right and wrong and quote unquote truth is determined by how many PC points you have in your demographics. So we have a black female who uh, who is alleging having been, uh, you know, the victim of racism. You can't beat that. I mean, unless she's gay, then and then she she gets a few more points. But you, from a point standpoint, you can't beat that. And you're you're going up against it as white Mormons, um, so you got no chance. Uh, white straight Mormons have no chance against a a black female accusing the other side of racism. And I mean, that sounds funny. It's partially funny. It's also reality. That's the way the media looks at this now. And once they get a narrative they like, Glenn, there's no going back. I mean, they, this woman is a hero. Uh, they, you know, We have the script we like. Let's cut it, print it, and move on. And, and, and it doesn't matter that this poor uh, mentally challenged guy uh, you know, has been destroyed. It doesn't matter that BYU's reputation has been destroyed. It, it doesn't matter what the truth is. And, and that's the world we're now living in. And it is really dangerous. It's really frustrating. And it's really sad. So I want to give you some of the tweets from this, uh, from this woman uh, quickly. I knew she was married to a white boy just reading this tweet. This is, this is the godmother's uh, right. responses to things. Before this incident, being married to a white woman, he thinks he can talk his stupid-ass nonsense. Um, right. you damn straight about that. <clears throat> white people being white. Why does CNN constantly interview these dumbass white women? Uh, would expect nothing less from a pale white chick. Uh, you poor white MFers can't take it. White women and men always disappoint. Uh, last night, chef's table and these white people getting onto our last damn nerves. I mean, this is this woman is all about hatred of white people, and she's running. In Tarrant County, Texas, that's Fort Worth. She's running for a judgeship. Her name is Lisa Pamplin, right? Is it? Uh, right, right. Yeah, Lisa Pamplin uh, for judge. This woman would be dangerous as a judge. Uh, I want to. I want to take a quick break, John. One minute. I'm going to come back, and I, I want to talk to you. What about? ESPN and how fast they ran to this story. Uh, get your thoughts on on ESPN. So the press, I think the Cougar Chronicle, which is the BYU paper, they were the first one to say, "Wait a minute, I don't think this is right." Weren't they? Uh, to my knowledge, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I think myself and and Jason Whitlock's also done a great job um, yeah. on this story. But um, you know, I think you know we were trying very early to get at least to, to be safe. It has to be safe for the other side to say, "Wait a minute." And I think we were successful in doing that over yeah, the weekend. Good. Thank you. So, um, uh, tell me about ESPN and and so this- talk radio. I mean, uh, so, sorry, sports radio has completely gone off the rails. 
Oh, yeah. It's all woke nonsense. But ESPN deserves special mention here. And this is a great example of the sausage being made. We have about 45 seconds. Go ahead. Okay. Long story short, Holly Rowe, who I thought was a good reporter, someone I know, I've been in touch with her on the whole Penn State paterno Sandusky fiasco that I've talked to you about many times before. I tried to warn her about this story. I said, this is not right, that you got this wrong. And she goes and interviews the, this woman, the, the volleyball player. The interview itself proves nothing happened because there's no details, no emotion, no anger, nothing. And she completely buys in. And then instead of saying, John, you know, tell me more, she blocks me on Twitter. Wow. <laughs> because she doesn't want to hear the, the truth wow. of Wow. And this is one of ESPN's best reporters. This is the making of the sausage in 2022 and why journalism is dead, Glenn. John Ziegler. You can follow him at Zygmunt Freud. Zygmunt Freud. John Ziegler. Thank you so much for being a part of the program.